So we're in uh, Acts chapter 12 this morning, if you've got your Bibles. Acts chapter 12. Uh, if you can find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Um, how you doing, Tim? You going to help me this morning? Cool. Okay. So today is week four of uh, five weeks in Bible characters you've probably never heard of. Um, we're getting more and more obscure kind of as we go through. Uh, today is Rhoda. Um, takes a little bit of explanation to get up to speed on on the backstory around what Rhoda's known for. So we'll just start in verse one and march our way through Acts chapter twelve. So now about that time, Herod the king. So somebody tell me about Herod. Bad, right? Generally in the Bible, there's good guys and there's bad guys. Herod is on like. If the bad guys had a bad guy list, Herod would be on the bad guy's bad guy list. All right, He's bad, bad. About that time, Herod the king, and there's four different Herods in the New Testament, uh, stretched out his hand to harass or oppress or afflict some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread, so when he had him arrested... He put him in prison and delivered to him four squads of soldiers. Anybody have a different translation in your Bible? Four. Sometimes there's a really awful hard to... Quaternions. You got it? Some versions. Uh, it's basically 16 people, 16 men. That's your first blank. 16 total folks. Uh, four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's kind of cool, isn't it? They cared. Somebody cared. Even though they couldn't see him every day, they cared. Okay? And it's important that we tell people that. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. Does this sound like a bad spot? Two chains between two soldiers, I think. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. How would you like to be awoken like this? Right? I will take my alarm clock any day, rather than getting smacked up the side and jerked up, literally. Right? So it, To me, it reminds me of uh, Julie and I were watching the documentary on 9-11 uh, on September, obviously 11th, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I don't do coffee and it takes me a while to wake up sometimes so I'm sorry uh, and Vice President Cheney was describing his experience and he was somewhere in his office in the White House and you know the, the planes hit the towers and he said I remember two Secret Service agents came into my office one put his hand and grabbed my belt and one put his hand and grabbed the back of my jacket and my feet didn't touch the floor until I was in the bunker. Whoa. And, you know, Vice President Cheney. He was a big dude then, yeah. Um, and, and so Peter gets woken up, and he, he strikes him on the side and raises him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Boom, that's, that's pretty cool. Then the angels, because chains are not a problem for God. Um, verse 8, The angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals which I think is kind of funny. It's like, you're going to need your shoes for this, Peter. Okay, so let's, let's wake up. And so he did. 
And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Now, what is unusual about this interaction with Peter so far? What do we know about Peter? Peter likes to... Has Peter said much here? No, because he's asleep still, okay? He's just, he's really out of it still. So he went out and he followed him, and he did not know what was done by the angel, whether it was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, right? So Peter comes to himself. He said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So while he's being freed from prison, what's happening somewhere else? People are, people are praying. Now, did they know at that moment that their prayer had already been answered? No. That's kind of neat though, isn't it? They just, they were at it. They were hard at it. So verse 12, so when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. These people in the New Testament, they're, many times they were related, right? So Mary, we think, was probably Barnabas's sister. And, and Mary was a rich lady because she had a house and where many were gathered together praying. So it was big enough that a lot of people could gather together in one place. And this, was, this would have been considered way on the rich side of people who were there. So this implies, the next blank, that Mary was rich. And I'm just going to read down through the next couple of verses. We're going to come back and fill these blanks in. So I just want you to get the story first. <clears throat> and, as Peter was knocked, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now what had they been praying for? For Peter to be out of jail, right? For him to actually just live. This was not a good state. When Herod got you, Herod didn't let you go. This was not what Herod was known for. He was not known for his mercy. He was known for his extreme cruelty and vengeance and anger and hatred toward things. In verse 15, but they, the people inside, said to her, Rhoda, you are beside yourself. Anybody have a different translation there? You're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're mad. You're maniacal. I mean, the, the word is loco. Right? You're crazy. So she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. It's a really popular belief at this time that every single person had a guardian angel and that your guardian angel took the physical form that you had walking on the earth so that they looked like you. So if something needed to happen where they could step in and do something for you, everybody would think that that was you. Now, this is completely, some of you are looking at me like, I don't remember reading that. It's because it's not in the Bible, okay? Complete and total fabrication, but this was the popular view at the time. So verse 16, now Peter continued knocking, right? And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They were astonished. What? You, you mean that thing I was praying for, it, it happened? You ever, anybody ever prayed a prayer like that before? You, you pray a prayer and you're like, oh God, please help this happen, help this happen. And then, really? You did? That's kind of amazing. Verse 17, but motioning to them with his hand to keep them silent. And why was he worried about silence? He just broke out of jail. <laughs> okay, let's not set the fireworks off. Okay. 
Motioning with him to his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had, what had become of Peter. Right? Because the, the Romans had this philosophy that if I put you in charge of something and then you mess that up, you die. It was very simple. It was, a, it was an incredibly effective way to motivate your army. Right? You have a task. If you complete that task, you live. If you don't complete that task, you die. Okay, so what happens? But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. All 16 of them. And Peter went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So, this little Bible character you probably never heard of named Rhoda, who had this strange interaction in the middle of the night, right? So let's go back to verse 13. And we're just going to observe some things about Rhoda. Just going to observe some things about Rhoda. And as Peter came and knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda. Now, her name means Rose. R-O-S-E, her name means Rose. And this is a Gentile name. Now, Mary, was Mary a Jew or a Gentile? She was a Jew, right? So this Jewish Christian has a slave girl who is a Gentile. Now, if that doesn't mess with your belief system about... Everybody wants to go back to, well, I want to go back to how the first century church was, and that was great, and that was wonderful. Really? Because some of those folks had slaves. Not cool, right? But the Bible teaches us how to act and respond no matter what the circumstance. That's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. It's always applicable. So a girl named Rhoda, she came... So when did slaves get to take off? They got like Saturdays off, right? Is that how that worked? Friday nights, Tuesday mornings. Thursdays at 4, what? When did they get off? When they died. So when they got the rest. So the blank thereafter came as she was working. Middle of the night, she's on call. She's always working. She never gets off. Imagine that if your job never stopped. Some of you are going, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly, thank you. <laughs> Can you make that face again? It was just like, oh no, please make it go away. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God has baked into the fabric of the universe a day of rest? Or at least the idea of a day of rest? For those of you that are going, I don't get a day of rest. Right? I have little kids. It never stops. Yes, it will one day. <laughs> um, she came, so she was working. She came to answer. So how long was Peter knocking before Rhoda showed up? What does the text imply? He, he knocked it the first time. The first time. He knocked at the door, and she came, right? I think she was prompt. I think she was prompt. I think she was right there on top of it. Um, in verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice. Now, how would she recognize Peter's voice? She knew his voice, right? Now, tell me about the size of the church at this time. Where were they meeting? Houses. Does this imply big? Does this imply small? It implies small. Now, there might have been a whole bunch of houses they were meeting in. We only know about a few, but it implies very, very small groups of people. So she recognized Peter's voice, so she was knowledgeable. 
and because of her gladness. Isn't that kind of neat right there, stuck in the middle of the story? She's like, she's so excited. She hears him knocking on the door, and she stops what she's doing, and she runs back. Guys, 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 guys. He, 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 like, stop, stop. Just, okay, just let, let Jesus rest for just a second. He's at the door. And what do they say to him? You're crazy. God doesn't really answer prayer. Betty wanted to talk about I got really uh, excited there. Uh, note to self, edit that out of the podcast. Right. There we go. Did y'all noticed that and you just let me do that, didn't you? That was great. Thank you for saying stop, whoever that was. I appreciate that. All right. So this stuff happened, right? It's a real story. Stuff doesn't always go perfectly, even when you're doing ministry, right? Sometimes there's interruptions. You ever had an interruption in a church service? Somebody tell me about an interruption in a church service you've seen. Go for it. Perhaps different than what the pastor's topic was that particular sermon, yeah. Anybody ever had somebody walk into a service and just start talking out loud that wasn't scripted? Because we like scripted. I, I'm, I'm telling you, we like scripted. We really do. We get really nervous when things go off script. Um, I had a Rhoda moment about three or four weeks ago. Some of you remember this moment. Um, Daryl, he typically will tell those of us that go up and do announcements or make a prayer somewhere between 45 and 90 seconds beforehand that this is what we're doing. Okay, so... Be ready is not a joke around here. It's like, now? No. Okay. Now. Yes. Okay, go. Um, so he tells me to go up and do the welcome. Went up and did the welcome. Welcome to Stewart Heights Baptist Church. Thank you for being here today. We're excited you're here. Blah, 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 blah. I'm on, I'm on autopilot, right? All right, let's pray. And we pray. And I walk off the stage. And that wasn't what I was supposed to do. (laughs) I was supposed to have everybody shake hands. And Justin, in his infinite calmness, because he's got to be the most calm person I've ever met in my entire life. I I don't think his blood pressure ever gets over 100. Oh, does it? Does he get excited? Oh, I was going to say, I've never seen him get excited about anything. He's got to be the greatest parent ever. It's like, it's okay. Don't worry. I love you. You It's just wonderful. Um, Kickball? You get excited about kickball? Oh, wow. Okay. So, so Justin, and, and I'm walking off, and, and I'm noticing people looking at me like, what was that? I'm, I'm just, I just kept walking. Like, I'm just, away we go. Bennett, yes. Yes. Um, and, and Justin says, uh, I, I think so we're supposed to shake hands for a second. So, y'all go shake hands. Thanks. And he starts playing, and I realize then, See, some of us get to make mistakes in front of two or three or five or ten, and some of us get to make mistakes in front of 300. Yay. And you know what? It was okay. And it was good for people to see me goof up on stage publicly. It was very, very good. 403. 403, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. 
You're a blessing. It's, what a blessing, yes. I had no less than 10 people come up to me and say something around the range of, that was really good. I, I, it was nice to see something go wrong. And I remember thinking, are you trying to be a blessing? Are you? Uh, I don't quite understand here. But we mess up, and that's okay, right? Is, is this, do we all, does that resonate with everybody? Okay. Because of her gladness, she was happy. She did not open the gate. So my blank is she was shocked or stunned. Um, I, I toyed with the word stupid here for a long time because I've heard Rhoda described as the dumb blonde of the New Testament, right? She just, she just missed it. And the reality is she was just excited. She was really, really excited. Um, and I don't know how many of the others would have believed it if they'd have listened, if they'd have been at the door. I don't really know. Have you ever forgotten to do your job in a moment of shock? Have you? Yeah. Yes, Angie. I think she was doing her job. I would think that they're all in there having their prayer service, and it's late in the evening that she probably wasn't supposed to open the door to anybody unless she asked. Um, and I would think that she, she would heard his voice and got so excited that she just ran back to say, come on, come on, somebody else come so we can open this door. And about half the commentators are on that side, and about half the commentators are like, stupid girl. You know, so, so yes. But she had enough faith to believe it was him. She did, didn't she? Isn't that awesome? Yes. There's a lot of faith here. There's a lot of faith here. Absolutely. Um, have you ever known something to be true and nobody believed you? Yeah, Dave? Uh, for Dave's sake, edit that out of the podcast. Uh, I got really bad when I started emailing her things like that. Yeah. Let me validate what you just said. So, so you emailed your wife to make sure that you had documentation that you could show her later that you communicated something. So we have the examples in the, yeah, we have the examples of things to follow and the things not to follow, right? Okay, that's awesome. So, yeah, really. So, so how did Rhoda, <laughs> we're completely off the rails now, we won't get back. So how did Rhoda get from the door to the folks that were praying? How'd she get there? She casually strolled. No, it was like, do a 40 right here. And she ran. She was incredibly motivated. And she announced that Peter stood before the gate. This is something that one of the commentators I read brought out. She said she was vocal about the truth. And I like that. Because we have to be vocal about the truth. It's not just enough to know it or to know it for yourself we have to be vocal about the truth. And they said to her, you're crazy. Yet she kept insisting. This word for in, kept insisting is only used twice in the New Testament. Here in Acts chapter 12 and once in Luke chapter 22. To the very end of the chapter, it's when Peter was going through the process of denying Jesus Christ. And remember that there was somebody there in this group of people that was a distance away from the cross that kept saying, you were with him. I... 
I know you were with him. That kept insisting is that person that was being used about Peter. So this word's only used twice, and Luke uses it both times, and he uses it both times about Peter, but oh, how things have changed, right? Isn't it beautiful? It's almost like Luke redeems this word from this repetition of a denial of Jesus Christ to repetition of a miracle of what Jesus has done in someone's life. Because Peter has come a long way since the cross in 12 chapters. Would you agree? A long way. There's hope for us. This is, this is beautiful. She kept insisting that it was so. She was persistently truthful. She was persistently truthful. Sometimes we have to tell the truth more than once. You know? And sometimes we like to convince ourselves, I've said it once, that's enough. I've, I've done my job. Anybody ever had that mindset? I had, the, I had that mindset this week at work. Um, I've told this guy once. That's it. That's enough. No, it's not enough for me most of the time. Most of the time I have to be told umpteen times before, okay, now I got it. I think I got it. Right? Um, verse 16, now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, did it say Rhoda opened the door the second time? Whose job was it to open the door? Rhoda's job to open the door. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> Um, msdora hubpages.com. I got this quote. Prayer is preparation for God to include us. How cool is that? It's saying, God, here's a scenario. Please engage. I give you permission to include me. And I think God included them in this story. And it's a beautiful little story, right? So I asked it before, but I didn't stop and see if there was any answers to it. When has God answered a prayer that you really didn't expect Him to? Has God ever answered a prayer that you really didn't expect Him to? What's that, Miss Mala? It's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. God's still in the surprising business, by the way. I'm glad because there's hope. There's hope. Um, <clears throat> somebody posted this week online, it, there's not just hope that it'll get better. He's going to make it perfect. Um, I, I found myself in the last couple of years saying, he's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. He's going to make it better. And that's just not far enough. He's going to make it perfect. Um, he's going to make it where when I wake up one day in the new earth, I don't have to worry about whether or not I took my allergy medicine the night before because I forgot to last night. And I feel like my head is going to explode right now. And it, you go, well, Jim, that's a small thing. Yeah, but it's every single day, probably for the rest of my life. Okay, he's going to make it right, you know. Um all the stuff that's wrong with our kids, <laughs> medically, not like otherwise. <laughs> wow. I just, I just teed myself up right there, didn't I? Just swing away. Um, Anna Grace had fevers for eight years that we couldn't explain. Nine years? Nine years? 
my son is in the fifth percentile of weight, you know. He's nothing. He's like a little stick man figure person. And he's, yeah, he's 50 pounds now. It's awesome. You know, we, we had a conversation with somebody at our house last night that their nine year old was 109 pounds. I don't know if we want him 109, but maybe <laughs> somewhere in the middle there would be great, you know. And, and all that's going to be perfect one day. He's just going to fix it, and it's okay. Um, All right, so I'm going to skip to the application real quick. I need you guys to talk, help me talk through this, okay? So what's the point? Well, number one, little things matter. It didn't seem like a big job, did it? I mean, I opened the door. What do you do at this house? I open the door. In the grand scheme of things, really? Is that that big a deal? It was that night. <laughs> it's a big deal that night. And it may be that the thing that you do is only a big deal once or twice in your whole life. But be faithful. Be ready for that one big deal. And if that big deal doesn't come, guess what? You were faithful. It's okay. Be faithful in the little things. Number two, good news must be shared. It must. You cannot hide it. We have the greatest message the world has ever known, and we sit on our hands with it sometimes. God help us. Number three, pausing the spiritual to do the practical is sometimes necessary. You ever, don't bother me, I'm doing ministry right now. Have you ever, um, two weekends ago, was it two that Heath was here? I think so. Um, so there was a, a, a gentleman that came in 825, 830, we get here at like 8:25 every Sunday morning, and when I came in there was this... Um, pickup truck, uh, parked in the very first visitor spot, and there was a guy sitting in the driver's seat, and he had his uh, hands over the steering wheel, and I could just see this, and I was like, this, you're not having a good day, this is not good, uh, so I did what any good Baptist deacon would do, I walked right on past him, and went to go do my job, much to my shame. Uh, so I came in, and he saw several people coming in, so he walked in, and Stephen, actually, I think was the first person to see him, and you know what, so I'm, I'm just going to be exceedingly uh, honest and transparent with you this morning. You know what my first reaction was? Oh, please, dear Lord, help Daryl catch him first. Because re- I had something to do, right? I had, bullet- I had uh, handouts to print off. I had the room to check. I had people to greet. I have stuff to do for Jesus, and I don't need to be disturbed. And I, I'm telling you guys, it, this is something that God got all up over me on with Heath. So Stephen looked at me and goes, I, 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 "Okay, thanks. All right." <laughs> and I and I walked over and introduced myself. And at this point, I mean, the guy he's he's emotionally gone, right? He's just okay. So he's like, "Is there somewhere we can talk?" Yes, there is. So I took him back into the counting room in the office, and he just laid bare his soul. And it was real obvious to me that we weren't fixing whatever his issue was today. That wasn't going to be how this worked. So I I forget who noticed in here that I wasn't in here when I was supposed to be in here. It was probably Terry, right? And Terry sent Justin 
Uh, and Justin knocks on the door. He's like, hey, man, you, uh, can I help you with anything? And, and my first thought was, uh-huh, you can. <laughs> and, and Heath, who picked up on the fact that, are you supposed to be doing something right now? I was like, actually, I need to teach a Sunday school class. I said, but you need to come with me because you need to hear this. Um, so we came in together, and he sat down, and he, I don't know if you remember, but he sat, I think where Lynn Rice is sitting, and he just wept the whole Sunday school class. And, and something for me, as having taught for a very long time, you see people, and I will see people, and I will continue to see people that come in that are having a really good day, and I will see people that come in that are having a really bad day. And there's the whole spectrum in between. And many, many, many times I am tempted to take what God has put on my heart and to not say it to avoid some type of emotional interaction. I cannot tell you how often that happens with me. So I didn't. I just bore right through that awful story. And he sat there and he wept and he wept and he wept and we went and we prayed together and we went to the service and we wept in the service together and I sat with him and put my arm around him and and he actually had gotten to the point where he was physically dehydrated because he had been crying. He hadn't eaten in like three days. He wasn't poor. He just, you know, when, when you get to a certain point in your life, you just, I don't want to eat. Um, and I prayed with him and he left. And I hadn't seen Heath since. And I have no idea what his status is or where he is. I hope he comes back. Um, but the reality is I am so thankful that at least he heard about Jesus because Stephen was nice enough to go, uh, and, and it was really one of those things that I got to walk past him once, and I felt like, um, what's the, the story, oh, the Good Samaritan, um, where the Pharisee walks by, and the priest walks by, and then I, I felt like I had got to walk past him twice, and God's like, no, you're not walking past him three times, and turn about over, and away we go. Um, so that's my Please let Jesus interrupt your ministry. I promise you, our staff will understand. I promise you, whoever is leading that particular ministry here at Stewart Heights will understand. And I really promise you, Jesus will understand. Because he is bringing people... To, I mean, this is shooting fish in a barrel at church, okay? I mean, this is as safe an environment for Christians as it gets. He's bringing them here to us to love and to help and to minister to. So all of that was for me because I needed to get that out and to confess it. So we'll get back to the notes now. Um, <clears throat> so don't be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. Yes. Uh, number four, service takes many shapes. So never look down on another's service. There are folks that stand out here every Sunday morning and open the door and smile and shake people's hands. Awesome. There are people that go to the sanctuary before anybody else gets there and make sure all the offering envelopes are on the same side of the row. Cool. You have noticed that, haven't you? Yeah, there's an order there. There are people that go uh, and help people who are going to baptize this morning. That is so awesome that Ms. Madison's getting baptized. Her grandparents are here to participate with that. Uh, there are folks that will be standing up there helping you get into the waiters that nobody ever sees. But is that an important job? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? Uh, there's all kinds of this stuff. There are people who get here a little bit before 8 o'clock every single morning and cut up biscuits that we go to Daryl's class and steal. Um, 
sorry. Let's just own it, right? We're just going to own it today. And, and go and partake of. But they're there because somebody came and did that. There's ministry going on constantly. And it's not just here. So never look down on another service. Uh, number five, Jesus knows who is serving Him, so serve with gladness. You know, if I had to be remembered for one day in my life in the Scripture, Rhoda's really wasn't a bad one because at least she did it with gladness. Right? She hustled. She was paying attention. She had a good attitude about it. She was persistent. She was vocal about the truth. And she wouldn't let them stop. Right? Number six, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, focus on the important things, not my mistakes. Uh, many times in my life, I like to just hover and hover and hover and hover and hover and hover and hover over the mistake. Yes, Jesus' blood paid for that too. Cool. And whether this was a mistake or not on her part, I don't know. But I know I focus on the mistakes. Number seven, everybody has a part to play. Be faithful. And everybody is valuable in the kingdom. You know, the church is the only organization in the history of the world where everybody belongs. It's beautiful. I don't know how God in His infinite wisdom set this thing up so that everybody could belong, but He did. It's a wonderful thing. So know my value in the kingdom and get busy serving. There's somebody that needs a door opened for them, and you may be that person today. So go be a Rhoda. You don't have to dye your hair blonde to do it. So there we go. Uh, next week, we've got Nason. That's how you say his name, M-N-A-S-O-N. That doesn't pass any spell check anywhere, in case you're wondering. Um, Word wants to change it to Mason every time I type it out, so it's Nason, actually. Uh, Real quick uh, text, and I think Dave Barber's going to lead that for us next week. So if you're at your tables, please... Of course you're at your tables. I can see you at your tables. Um, (laughs) Thank you for being at your tables today, I should say, rather. Uh, Make sure your name is on the sheet, that you lean in for prayer requests, engage on that, and uh, thanks for coming to Sunday School today.